Locked On NBA, the biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, we'll go to the Bay Area to speak with Charles Hamilton of Locked On Warriors about the Golden State Warriors' recent struggles and whether that's a uh, sign of just uh, boredom or uh, a real worry or cause for concern. We'll also go to Milwaukee to speak with Eric Name of Locked On Bucks about the Malcolm Brogdon injury and the impact that will have on the NBA's uh, best team in the Eastern Conference. And lastly, we go to Utah to speak with David Locke of Locked On Jazz about Utah's final run home and their chances in the playoffs and the defensive player of the year candidacy of Rudy Gobert. It's all coming up. The biggest stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On the NBA. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, and welcome back to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast and the lead analyst at BasketballMonster.com. We are less than a month away from the start of the NBA playoffs, so lots of interesting things happening across the league. Big injuries, teams surging, teams falling off, lots for us to talk about. So let's get to it. Now I'm joined by the host of the Locked On Warriors podcast, a man who may or may not be tired of Draymond shit. It is Charles Hamilton to talk about the uh, Golden State Warriors. Charles, um, it's been a weird sort of run here for, for the Warriors uh, of late, but I guess um, yeah, the the disappointment or, or maybe any level of concern is perhaps offset by the last two victories. Huge wins on the road against the Rockets and the Thunder. Yeah, what's different in those two games versus, say, a, a loss to Phoenix or a an absolute smashing at the hands of the Celtics? Definitely. And far, first off, never tired of Draymond shit just because I don't have to deal with him every day. But <laughs> I'm sure if I was in Steve Kerr's position, you know, I, uh, I'd get pretty tired of it pretty quick. Uh, it's understandable, though. As far as the last... Four games go, though, the difference, I just think, is motivation. And the the tough part about the, the Phoenix loss is that it's sam- sandwiched in between the Rockets win, the Nuggets win, and the, uh, the win last night against OKC. I might have those out of order. But either way, it, it, that's the most frustrating part. Besides that Phoenix loss, they've beat you know their three top contenders in the Western Conference over the last week. And are playing great, and I just have to think it's kind of just a motivation thing when it comes to uh, late, you know, uh, what is it, March home game against Phoenix, you know, the worst team in the league. That you just kind of figure you're gonna destroy them, and Phoenix has enough, you know, random explosive pieces that they can beat you. And I mean, that's exactly what happened. It's always a weird thing looking at the Warriors and looking at their last ten games that they're five and five, and, and they've already lost twenty one games this season. When we talk about this unparalleled. Yeah, collection of talent, the five all-stars, this record-breaking team, all that sort of stuff. To see 21 losses already with still you know, 15 or so games to go, it, it, it is a little jarring. But do you think that's all it is? Or do you think that you know, the issues that have crept up, the Draymond and Durant stuff, the integration of DeMarcus Cousins, has that all been an issue that they've really had to overcome? Or is it just they like, oh, man, we've been and doing this for so long that you know, once it comes time, we'll just put our foot down and everything will be okay? Well, Draymond and Durant, I, it was something they had to overcome, but something I think they already have overcome since it happened so early in the season. And even with all the Durant rumors and 
you know, him hating the media or whatever's going on day to day with him. He's played extremely hard, still managed to play incredibly well, might be having, you know, his most efficient season of his career. So he's managed to still play great. And they're, they're kind of able to compartmentalize that at least as far as on the court goes. And when it comes to integrating boogie, it's something they have to do. It's, it's just, it's there. It's not, uh, you know, he's coming off an Achilles injury. You're adding a, f- a new starter, a new all-star uh, to the group of four already. Uh, it's something they've had to do, and I think they're doing it well, especially over these last two games. We've really seen him uh, be able to kind of play that David West role, at least with that second unit, which is something I wanted to see right out the gates. But now you're really seeing it with the back cuts from Clay and Livingston. And uh, just Boogie's been, I think he has 13 assists over the last two games. So he's really starting to integrate himself and play better and knock the rust off, etc., but I just have to imagine when it comes to the 21 losses and, you know, things you don't expect, it's just the malaise of, you know, this is the fifth straight year of going into trying to win a championship. You know, it's that's their goal. That's their realistic goal is winning a championship. And, you know, they've played technically they've played as far as games, you know, the amount of games they played five seasons in the last four years, including postseason. So I think it's just. You know, they're tired. They know when they need to turn it on. The question always is, will they be able to do that? And over the last couple of games, we've seen it. But, you know, until playoffs come, it's 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 still a question. Well, the next question that's you know, related to an overload of games is that the Warriors play five games in the next seven days. So, yeah, I guess it's something that people need to be aware of, that these guys, they're probably not going to be going as hard over this time frame. They've got you know, the Spurs and, and Timberwolves road back-to-back Monday, Tuesday. They have the Pacers in the middle of the week, and then they end the week with a home back-to-back against the Mavericks and the Pistons. So we're likely to see them again sort of ease that foot off the, the gas and give these guys liberal rest as we come in with you know less than a month to go in the regular season. Definitely. Yeah, I would imagine Boogie's not going to play Monday. I think it's Monday against San Antonio. Get him back uh, the, on the back-to-back against Minnesota. I would imagine, you know, Steph will rest one of those games. And then when KD comes back, you know, Steph will be resting. I actually thought Steph would rest against Phoenix uh, last week because you can kind of see a little bit. He's been struggling. Uh, well, that's what I wanted to talk Steph. about actually, because yeah, his shooting has not. But look, it's. It's been okay, and any uh, yeah, any guy yeah. who comes in over the last you know, 23 games and is shooting 39% from three, and you go, it's pretty good, but it's not for Steph. Like When you're shooting 39% exactly. from three, that's a big, big drop-off, and his two-point rate over the last 10 games or so is down under 50%, and that's unheard of for Steph. To have a look at, at these splits over the last month of him shooting 41% from the field, it, it's pretty jarring. You know, what's off with him? I just think it's... Uh rest i think he needs a game or two off and i know it's kind of weird you sit there and think well what is one game off going to do it's it is a big deal when you can rest you know get three straight days of rest or whatever it is uh like i definitely thought the phoenix game he'd sit i thought there were plenty of games before that he should have been sitting uh but they were somewhat important you know against portland and a couple other playoff teams and i think kevin durant's injury has kind of made him have to play these last couple games where he could have gotten a breather uh, that's the, my best guess. This is the first time I believe that he has shot a worse three point percentage post all-star break than pre all-star break. So throughout his career, he always kind of turns it up after all-star break. And this is the first time that he's been below his three point percentage pre all-star break. So I, you know, my, the one thing I can imagine is it's just rest. He's just tired, but there's no uh, reason to think there's anything physically wrong, but I mean, who knows? I'm, you know. I'm not a doctor. I, I just play one on a podcast, but uh, I, 
I, I, there's no, you haven't seen anything with him to think he's injured. I just think he's just gassed pretty much. The last person we want to talk about here is is Demarcus Cousins in his return from his Achilles Definitely. injury. Are we seeing? Are you seeing improvements in him over this time frame? We had uh, he had an absolute monster. Uh, against the Rockets where he really looked back to himself and that was almost definitely his best game in a Warriors uniform. Are there things where you go, well, I can see the the old all-star DeMarcus Cousins here or is it you know, is that outweighed by the, oh, he's struggling here, he's not getting up and down the court. Um, yeah, there's real defensive issues here. Overall, yeah, would you say that his impact has been a positive so far? Absolutely. And the thing is, we expected him to come. You you expect him to come in and be the all star that he has been and be unstoppable. But the truth is, he hadn't really played real basketball in over a year, and is coming off that Achilles tear, Achilles rupture, whatever it was. And he had a good first couple games, and then kind of tailed off. And now we're really starting to see him get integrated into the offense. Like I said, they're running the offense through him in the post, which is really paying dividends especially the last couple games where Steve Kerr has uh, taken Draymond out of that second unit and so you're kind of staggering uh, Steph and Draymond and then Clay and Boogie and it's really paying dividends Clay is getting wide open looks from Boogie and the biggest part too is his his post games coming back it was frustrating to see him go up against centers and get stonewalled a bunch and why weren't they looking for mismatches and he couldn't finish now he's starting to finish finishing through contact and as far as the transition game goes he he is getting up and down the court the problem is he's just slow <laughs> like it's not so much that the effort isn't there or anything like that he's just slow and it does slow down the game a little bit but as far as with the second unit when it's him and clay and i do think kd will actually be a part of that second unit as well because he's he likes to walk it up as well so it seems like it would fit with him uh and clay and boogie in that group but as far as the last week goes, I am very uh, positive and excited about what he's brought to the team. I think we're starting to see what some people expected him to bring to this team. Well, Charles, we're going to be uh, checking in with you, no doubt, over the course of the NBA playoffs as this Warriors team looks to push into their fifth consecutive NBA finals. But in the meantime, you can check out Charles and all his Golden State thoughts over on the Locked On Warriors podcast. Thanks for jumping on Locked On NBA today. Absolutely, man. Can't wait to do it again. The first weekend of the NCAA tournament is the greatest betting event of the year. Whether you like filling out a bracket, picking just the national champion, predicting the first round upsets, or all of the above, MyBookie is the perfect home for your March Madness fun. Will Zion Williamson and his teammates cement their legacy at Duke with a title? Can Virginia get past its loss to a 16 seed last year? What can John Calipari and Kentucky do? Can they get back to the Final Four? If you know the answers, and even if you don't, MyBookie is the place to get in on the action. They have something for everyone, and even you, multiple bracket guy. MyBookie has been in business for years. Their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business, and the best part is they pay out fast when you win. I'm talking 48 hours. Bet with the best, then kick back and enjoy March Madness while watching your picks cash. Deposit with MyBookie today by using the promo code LOCKEDONNBA for a 50% sign-up bonus. That's the promo code locked on NBA with my bookie you play you win and you get paid I'm joined now by the host of the Locked On Bucks podcast. Eric Name is here. We're here to talk about 
Uh, I guess an underrated but potentially large development in the uh, race for the NBA title, and that's what we can say when we're talking about the Bucks now, and that is this injury suffered by Malcolm Brogdon, a partial plantar fascia tear, which is uh, in the foot, uh, runs along the bottom of the foot. Eric, um, what's the latest time frame? Uh, the Bucks announced out indefinitely, but what are we actually looking at here in terms of Brogdon? Uh, yeah, he's missing playoffs, a huge possibility here. Uh, see, I think it's kind of tough because, uh, there's been six to eight weeks mentioned. Uh, there's been, uh, if you look at that injury, some people have missed four weeks because of it. Four weeks would get you right to the end of the season. Um, Giannis after the game said that, uh, he's expecting that Malcolm will join them for the second round. So if you do the quick math on that, playoffs start on April 13th, you get through the first round, it's probably going to be about two weeks later, 10 days to two weeks later. So that would be five-ish weeks. So um, I, I think the tough part is knowing exactly how how long it will be. Um, but then on top of that, you're, you're going to be thinking about the playoffs they start in four weeks and then do you do you need to rush him do you do you find a way to get him some work before he can uh actually hit the floor like how is that all going to work because uh, obviously with the way the bucks uh or with the way the bracket is going to fall the bucks are probably gonna have a really tough matchup in the second round and you know throwing someone right into that fire might not even be the most productive thing, even though he is one of their uh, most consistent players. He is one of their five starters. Like, you know, you're going to have to kind of play it uh, and you got to figure out the right way to go about it. So um, I, I would say time frame for me, I think uh, second round is kind of, uh, I think, the earliest that he could come back. And, you know, maybe it would be even later than that. When you know, I did my research on uh, looking up this injury, Partial tears, it was mentioned here, perhaps up to 12 weeks, perhaps you could be running in six to eight weeks. So what we're saying here, and the reports we hear six to eight weeks, yeah, he could be back on the court, but that doesn't mean he's back at his usual self or his usual level of productivity. And that's a real issue for this Bucks team. Brogdon suffered that quad injury last season at a similar-ish type of time, and it did impact his play when he returned there as well. Now, Eric, we saw the first game post-Brogdon on Sunday in a loss against the Philadelphia 76ers. The Bucks went with Nikola Mirotic in that starting lineup. They've got other options they could throw in there. There's Tony Snell. Pat Connaughton's been playing extra minutes. There's a Sterling Brown if he ever returns from whatever uh, malady seems to be keeping him out an extraordinarily long uh, period of time. He's another option there. Do you think that will stick with Miritic in this starting lineup, going with that big lineup, you're pushing Giannis to the three and, and Middleton down to the two, or will it be a uh, a situation where they're going to be experimenting with different players there? Because strangely to me, Tony Snell, yeah, I barely even got to ten minutes today in a game where Brogdon was out. Where in the past, uh, not I don't want to harken back to the dark uh, Jason Kidd days, he'd come in and play more. <laughs> Minutes than Brogdon and play 30 minutes a night. But even this season, when a guy was out, you'd see Snell come in and play 25 minutes or so. So, was that a matchup type of thing, or is he falling out of favor in this uh, Bucks rotation at the moment? Yeah, I think what's going to end up happening is just we've seen Miritich kind of take that spot from Tony Snell really since he's been with the Bucks, uh, even when. But before Malcolm Brogdon was hurt, and there would be days where you know they might need to throw someone in the starting lineup. It has been Miritich, so uh, I think Miritich has taken that spot from Tony Snell. Um, and as far as falling out of favor, you know, it it, it was kind of. Uh, I mean, in some ways, I was kind of shocked today to see that he only played eight minutes because 
they they desperately needed someone to to knock down a three. Like uh, there was a number of times in that game where they got close, they get it to six or seven, and then uh, they would have a a, a possession with a, a three, and maybe Miritich would miss it, or uh, Middleton would miss one, or Lopez would miss one, and you know in the end they just needed a three and Tony Snell could be that guy. So um, it, it's going to be really interesting to watch. I think Bud is more the type to kind of stay the course, even if he just picked this course today. Um, I I would imagine that we're going to see Mirtich probably close out the, the season in the starting lineup for the Bucks. The interesting thing to me was the guy who Emil Tritch was always in the rotation, but the guy that came came into the rotation to replace uh, Brogdon was DJ Wilson, someone who had those backup center minutes earlier in the season and seemingly had leap, leap, leapfrogged, that's the right word, Ersan um, Ilyasova, and he came back in to really double down on this big lineup, and he ended up with, uh, with 16 minutes in today's game as they really went really big in that situation, and that's not going to be something that they can do every every night, is it? They're not going to run with him. You know, Miritich, Ilyasova, Wilson, um, and, and and Lopez getting all these minutes in at the four and the five. It's really kind of strange to watch because uh, you know so much of what the Bucks do is predicated on five out basketball, shooting threes, and you know I think typically people view that as uh, I mean things that go along with going small. Uh, a lot of small ball teams are going to do those things and you're going to think through it. But, you know, Bud has really taken a liking to some of these big lineups over the last month. Like he is really kind of supersized lineups and they've just kind of gone along with it. So um, I don't really know what they're going to do with DJ Wilson. Obviously he got nine minutes in Miami and then those uh, doubled here uh, today against Philadelphia. But, you know, I, I'm going to be really curious to watch. Bucks Twitter has been clamoring for DJ Wilson for a while now, um, so they're they all the Bucks fans are very happy right now that DJ has had this weekend, and obviously he played well today against the Sixers. So uh, it's I, I truly with DJ Wilson don't really know. I know Bud has mentioned that you know in February he just wasn't hitting shots, and, and that was why he fell out of the rotation. And if you look at his February, I think he was shooting 20-some percent from the three-point line. So uh, that is something that Bud really did find important. But I'm not sure that they have a big that can pl- defend the way that DJ Wilson can defend. He's he's great at switches. He moves his feet really well. Uh, he can go across a couple different positions. Like I, I do think that his skill set is quite valuable, and uh, you know they could find a way to use him. But I also feel that same way about I don't know four or five other guys like they they have guys that that could fit in there so we'll just have to kind of see what he does with uh with with dj wilson the bucks are three games up on the raptors for the one seed in the eastern conference yeah um, i guess it's not all that important if they get the the one or the two seed of course home court advantage would be really good if they got to the eastern conference finals but do you think that the bucks can win the eastern conference without malcolm brogdon or without a fully fit and functioning malcolm brogdon I think they can. I think the chances of them doing so are less than they were uh, a few days ago. Like uh, the the thing in Milwaukee and the thing about this team is that throughout this season, it's been all about getting the absolute most out of all five starters. So when you look at this Bucks team, you know there's there's always the debate of whether or not Chris Middleton is is good enough to be a number two on a on a championship team. But 
moving past that, you look at their number three guy, Eric Bledsoe, he's put together an all defensive team type season. Uh, and offensively, he's taken out a number of the bad decisions that he used to make. Uh, so he's been great in the third spot. You look at Brooke Lopez with the way that he's shooting the three ball, like as a fourth or fifth option, that's a, about as good as it can get. And then when you look at Malcolm Brogdon as a fourth, or fifth option, a 50, 40, 90 season, uh, he just hits big shots. He just does everything that you need. Uh, if you're trying to get the absolute most out of all five positions, having a guy like Malcolm in that fourth or fifth spot is just huge. But now the Bucks might not get as much out of it. Maybe Miritich can, uh, you know, shoot the ball in the same way that that Brogdon can, but he's not going to drive it in the same way. So uh, this team, it, it's it's really uh, it's going to hurt them. Uh, but you know, they are still a very talented team outside of that. Obviously, you saw Giannis put up 52 today. Uh, so he, he's just dominating the league at the moment. But uh, it will hurt them. And the, those small margins really can be big when you're playing other elite teams. And, and I think that's exactly what they're going to see in, in probably, the, probably the second round and surely in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's going to be interesting to watch how the Bucks cope with this injury. Hopefully nothing else actually happens to them in terms of injuries as the season winds down. Eric will have all of that covered for you over on Locked on Bucks. Eric, thanks for jumping on Locked on NBA. Thanks for having me. Now I'm joined by the host of the Locked on Jazz podcast. You guys all know him, one of the hosts of the Locked on NBA podcast as well. David Locke is here to talk about the Utah Jazz, a team who struggled early on, had a bit of a flash middle of the season, but have dropped back down at the minute. David, currently sitting in the seventh seed. We're recording this in the middle of the Clippers game. If the Clippers win, they uh, they jump ahead of Utah. Um with this Jazz team at the moment, look, there's there's not much difference between, say, that the fourth seed and the and the seventh seed where they're currently sitting, what's stopping them from taking that step forward that we all thought they'd be able to take to jump into that you know, upper echelon of the Western Conference? I think when the season's over, they'll be right where everybody thought they were going to be. Um, their schedule's not particularly difficult down the end of the road. And if they win 50, 51 games, I don't think Vegas projected them at 48. So if they win 50 games by the time this year is over, I'm not sure that's much different than what anyone um maybe thought they were going to be that it's just taken a little bit of a different route. I have personally thought it was largely based on the schedule. They played a, the schedule Oklahoma city suddenly embarking upon now they played early in the season and now, you know, and they started the year, um, you know, what four and six to start the year and everyone kind of freaked out a little bit. And uh, Oklahoma city is suddenly doing the exact same thing with the, with a heavy schedule. So I think all these teams are very similar and the schedule has dictated a lot of what everyone's mood is about every team. The difference between the Jazz and, and the Thunder is only two games at the moment, so you're right. It's really close. And just touching on the Jazz's remaining schedule, the only team you'd even class as a, a good team is the Nuggets in their remaining games. The only other team who's in the mix for a playoff spot is the uh, the Clippers in the Western Conference. They got one game against the Hornets, but they're, you know, they, they got smacked by about 20 points by the Heat in today's game. They got a stretch of games against the Wizards, Knicks, Hawks, Bulls, Suns, Lakers, Wizards again, uh, upcoming for their next seven games. So there's a real potential for a, a huge run here for Utah, but it's not as though David that they haven't had some trouble with some of these you know, so-called weaker teams. They lost to the Pelicans a couple of weeks ago, lost to the Grizzlies for what feels like the tenth time this season. Why can't they get over the hump against those teams, especially someone like Memphis? Who have they have they even won a game against Memphis this season? Uh, they did. They got one of the four against Memphis. It's a little um, it's a little misleading in the sense that on those last two games. Those are the ones we remember. If you look at the season as a whole, 
uh, and I'm pulling up a number right now for you, Josh. The, the Jazz, on as a season on a whole against above 500 teams, are, I believe, eight, 19 and 22. So that means that they are 21 and 7 against sub-500 teams. That's pretty good. Um, they did. They got just smoked by Memphis. Just solidly beat them in Memphis. Uh, the their guards Avery Bradley and Mike Conley just got into the Jazz, who didn't have Ricky Rubio that night, and the Jazz just could not get their offense started at all. Uh, the loss to New Orleans was not good at home. That's the one that I think probably jumps out a little bit, though. They turned around and got it back at New Orleans two nights later, um, and won that game. So I, I think the the home loss to New Orleans is probably the one that probably bites them. But if you you know if you run before that loss, their only losses prior to that were Oklahoma City, Golden State, Houston, Portland, Portland, Milwaukee, Toronto, Philly. I mean they hadn't lost to a lot. Most of the games they had lost. Uh, the last time they'd lost a game that they probably should have won was in Mexico City on December fifteenth. Uh, otherwise, I think their losses have really been maybe then you go to December 2nd against Miami. So they have generally beat the teams they're supposed to beat and lost to some of the teams that they, uh, you know, they're not as Oklahoma City's beat them all four times this year. It's just better than there. The it, it's not it's not as though they're really in any danger of falling out of the playoffs. The gap between the eighth and the ninth seed is five and a half games at the moment, almost six games. So yeah, to fall that far would be yeah, an absolutely massive collapse. And with this schedule, it's unlikely. I want to focus on more what's happening with the team at the moment and the injuries that we've had for Rick Rubio, you know, quite a bit recently, and that pushes Donovan Mitchell into that starting point guard role. Now I mentioned this the other day uh, on Twitter that I think the Jazz work functionally better when Mitchell is working as that main main ball handler. He tends to get more free throw attempts, gets the line more, usage goes up, and I think the Jazz work better. But as someone who was watching a lot more closely than me, do you think that you know, Donovan running that you know, main point guard type of role alongside someone like a, a Royce O'Neal with Joe Ingles running that pick and roll that he runs with Derek Favors so often, is that a better option for this team, or does he really need someone like Rubio helping set things up? So this is interesting, Josh, because I think this is one of those times where fantasy basketball, which you're so deeply involved in, may have a different opinion than um, NBA standing basketball. I don't know what to call it. Uh, real basketball. I, I don't know what the right phrase here is. So when Donovan is at the point guard, it's very good for Donovan's numbers. Yep. But it's not very good for the team's offense. Whereas when Ricky's at the point guard, Ricky's numbers aren't particularly good, and it's not as good for Donovan's specific numbers, but for the team as a whole, it's much better. A good example of this was the Oklahoma City game, where the Jazz, in the three prior games, when Ricky Rubio ran a pick and roll against Oklahoma City, the Jazz averaged 1.3 points a play. When Donovan Mitchell ran the pick and roll, they averaged 0.6 points per play. It's a pretty stark difference right there. Yeah. And so when you start to take and put Donovan on the floor without Ricky Rubio, without Howell Neto, probably without Dante Exum, the offensive rating is down to about a 107.2 or in the 29th percentile um, of, of offenses. When you bring Ricky Rubio onto the floor, the offense gets much better overall. Donovan gets to play off. 
off the ball a little bit, the offense jumps to 111.1 or the 62nd percentile. So while Donovan's numbers are better when he plays point guard, the team's numbers are better when Rubio's on the floor with him. Well, that, that yeah, makes makes sense. That's always been the case with Rubio back to his Minnesota days, that his numbers may not look great, but whenever he is on the court, the whole team tends to perform better and it's carrying over this season. One last thing I want to get your opinion on. Um, it seems a, a muddled defensive player of the year field for this season. Would you, and I'm sure, I'm sure you will, but would you have Rudy Gobert as pretty clearly ahead of the pack in that area from watching him night in, night out and what he does to influence this entire defense? I would think so, particularly with the fate of Oklahoma City recently and their defensive efforts. Um, Paul George probably was the other candidate, I think, don't you? Yep, yeah, um, I agree. Uh, but, I mean, if you look at cleaning the glass, which takes out blowout numbers, the Jazz are the number one defense in the league. If you look at overall, they're number three. If you start digging into when Rudy's on the floor versus off the floor numbers, uh, it's incredible. The game the other night against New Jersey, I mean, he just – or excuse me, against Brooklyn. I didn't do it once during the broadcast as the play-by-play announcer, but I did it here. Um, against Brooklyn, he just dominated that game. And what's so interesting about Rudy is the domination actually usually happens against the – his impact is against the guards. Everyone thinks about it as against the bigs, but it's usually against the guards who yep. suddenly aren't getting their two or three or four shots a night at the rim – and so instead, they're taking mid-range pull-ups. I think I think D'Angelo Russell was about two of fifteen from the mid-range the other night because they were just shots he doesn't usually take, and he was uncomfortable all night. And that's where Rudy's impact is. And the Jazz defense is as good as anyone in the league at this point. So I think Rick, Rudy's probably an encore performance for his defensive player of the year. That is one of those instances where what you're seeing in real life does uh, marry up with fantasy that, you know, Gobert's impact against op- opponent guards really has stifles what they're able to do in terms of their ability, not only to hit shots, but even to take shots because they get scared off coming into the paint and, and doing that sort of stuff. So that all does you know, marry up and it, it makes sense. And I think he's, a, at this point, a, a pretty clear defensive player of the year with, again, Paul George pretty second with the fall off of other guys like Draymond Green and even Kawhi Leonard, who hasn't quite been at that same level that he has been in the past. The Jazz... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they go down the stretch. I, I could easily make the argument that they could finish out the season losing one or two games only here and come into the playoffs as probably the hottest team in the NBA. That's a real possibility, but we do have to you know, bear in mind this schedule and how it all looks. David, you'll have all those numbers and all those uh, all those thoughts for us on this closing stretch for the Jazz over on Locked On Jazz, of course, and here on Locked On NBA. So thanks for jumping on in the uh, guest seat for today's show. My pleasure, 538 has it projected right now that portland oklahoma city and utah all win 50 games for four five and six yep i know uh, that's uh would make a lot of sense and uh again tiebreakers uh tiebreakers at the ready for everyone uh tiebreakers all go to oklahoma city i think they're eight no against those two teams oh there you go thank you david see you buddy and that'll do it. Another episode of Locked On NBA in the books. Make sure you're checking out podcasts right across the network. And the best way of doing that while you're sitting in that damn traffic is telling your smart device in the car to play the podcast Locked On and then insert the team name there. We're going to have our baseball podcast launching soon. We've got to cover it right across the NBA. All NBA teams, all NFL teams with free agency in full swing and the NFL draft not far away. So check out those. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball and the network on Twitter and on Instagram at LockedOnNBANet. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.